Welcome to Let's Talk Leadership. I'm your host, Victor Volk. This year, I coalesced six years of research. I spent six years talking to hundreds of people, diving deeply into content research and articles, analyzing news stories, taking all of this scattered information and creating a laser-focused premise about my profession that I had left behind almost 16 years ago. 16 years ago, as a leader working for a company and later consulting inside companies, most often for a year or years, I spent time helping them identify issues, prohibiting them from achieving their goals. At times, it was about them stepping back from a lot of success and remembering why they started their business in the first place. Not for money, but for purpose. A purpose someone derived out of other people's needs. Their aim was focused clearly in view a very achievable goal. Over time, that purpose became dimmer and a requirement to earn more money, often more than they could spend in their lifetime, consume the original goal. The organization became self-centered and selfish. The culture moved from being healthy to toxic and employees who enjoyed working for the company disengaged because they were confused or didn't believe in their company's new purpose. Employees felt used versus valued. Leadership changed from leading to demanding. People were replaced to enhance shareholder equity. The workforce became restless, turnover rampant, and infighting within the organization replaced the sense of family and belonging. This, I personally saw change over 50 years living in that world. When chaos peaked inside organizations, people sought me out as a consultant. Changing toxic cultures and leadership was when I realized we were heading down a slippery and dangerous slope. I termed it unethical capitalism. I had no control over that. It is where we are today. The best an individual consultant can do in a world where this behavior is becoming infectious and more prevalent is to inoculate individual leaders to help resist the toxic culture. The more leaders who are inoculated, the more they can help prevent the spread of the previous culture to the rest of the company. It's much like how a vaccine can help one individual. As more become vaccinated, the impact of the virus is lessened most likely not eliminated, but far less harmful. This is the power of leadership within organizations. All these discussions, reading and observing, coalesced into a clear understanding of how we got where we are today. It's hard to understand if you haven't lived it and difficult to explain for the same reason. Today, I know more than ever how critical leadership is to business and the survival of democracy, freedom, ethical capitalism, and yes, humanity. I was first introduced to leadership through a growing company, meeting the needs of a new era known as system science. A company that was small but competing with giants in the industry. A company that carved out a purpose that larger companies were neglecting. It was a clear need the customers needed and wasn't being provided. 
In today's terms, it would be considered an Amazon. Jeff Bezos was laser-focused on providing customers with products they wanted faster and at a lower price. It is at this point of scaling where problems begin. The purpose moves from meeting people's needs to shareholder value. Employees, over time, transfer to working less for a goal and more for greed. The culture change leads to employees being used versus valued. Leadership is the link between the organization's driving goals and the people who need to achieve those goals. They are the blood that reaches all the employees, the vital organs of the organization. If the blood is poor or tainted, the organs suffer and deteriorate. Ineffective leaders fail to provide employees with what they need to sustain the organ. Some organizations recognize the importance of leadership and have developed leaders over centuries. The military is one of those organizations. It's been developing leaders worldwide for centuries. Militaries all over the globe use the same model, whether for good or bad. It is time-tested and proven. Leadership is looked at differently by business. Some would say enterprises operate differently than the military, which is true in some aspects. However, they are similar in many aspects. Militaries have a hierarchical structure with highly defined roles and specific, well-defined career paths. Businesses have a hierarchical structure. The similarity is in the hierarchical system. The difference is in clearly defined positions for leadership and employees. Military leadership has clear what French and Raven would call legitimate power bases centered around a ranking model. Businesses are less structured and constantly changing, leading to a multi-billion dollar industry. Now, one system isn't better or worse. Leadership is focused on purpose. The military has one purpose and often differs from a business. Where leadership is ineffective in organizations, you have chaos, ineffectiveness, inefficiency, turmoil, disruption. It is clear to me that people congregate in groups. You won't find many isolated from others in the world. You don't need a scientific study to see this. Where people are assembled, there will be leadership. That leadership may arise as an informal leader with no legitimate role, but people turn to a leader or leaders for support and guidance. The leader may also assume their position through power and coercion, the strongest of the group. Leaders also might be elected. What is certain is that where you have groups of people, you will have leaders. And the more complex the group, the more leaders you're going to find. The group's survival depends on the quality of leadership. What is a fact and interesting is that if the group disagrees with the leader, they don't disband the group and everyone goes their way. They seek to dethrone the leader and replace them with another. Understanding these basics today, we see leadership in business primarily as a legitimate role in organizations with defined responsibilities focused on the organization's visions, missions, and strategies. We assign a dollar value to that leader's worth and control their activities 
against those defined roles. In business, like the military, we explain those roles structurally. Business leadership is usually defined as supervisors, managers, directors, vice presidents, CEOs. The military is defined into officers and non-commissioned officers. The military, you rarely find military personnel jumping past promotional requirements. In the Army, you even have defined waiting lists for promotion. That is less the case in business. Business frequently brings someone in who skips over other people in the organizations for appointment to a leadership role. The industry manages its leadership under this umbrella. It has been the paradigm of leadership for decades. The larger the organization, the more prevalent the use of control through this paradigm. The first principle in my proposal for a paradigm shift in leadership is the perception and use of leadership within organization. Today, leaders are seen as a means to the result. They are used to achieve goals. Those goals in a hierarchical structure originate 99% of the time from a few executives or leaders at the organization's top. Leaders and their employees see the leadership role below the executive as control-based. When you perceive the role as control, you view it as replaceable if they don't achieve the results or adhere to a specific direction. Given this perception of leadership, communication is less interpersonal and transparent. Often expectations change and are not related to leaders effectively. Seeing the leader in a controlling role often leads to incongruity, a lack of empathy and compassion, and is seen as inconsistent by leaders and employees. This paradigm leadership over time erodes employees' view of leadership, and they see leadership as incompetent and untrustworthy. This toxic culture leads to less employee engagement, dissatisfaction among leaders and employees, ineffectiveness, inefficiency, turnover, poor customer relations, and decreased sales and profits over time. This erosion happens slowly and is not observed by leadership unless they do regular organizational culture assessments. The new leadership paradigm needs to view the leader not as a means to an end, but as an integral part of sustaining the organization's life. Executive leaders, employees, and all the stakeholders must see the leader as the organization's lifeblood, the source by which everyone receives the nourishment they need to help the organization function with energy and excitement and effectiveness and efficiency. Leaders are how healthy cultures exist or how toxic cultures form. Which one exists depends on everyone understanding the value of a leader, not the role. Secondly, executives need to recognize they are leaders first in their organization and change the leadership paradigm within the organization. Board members, executives, or the owner of small business need to change the paradigm of leadership and treat leadership as the lifeblood of the organization's culture that will sustain the corporation and keep it resilient even when challenged. 
This brings us to the second principle of leadership paradigm change. Where do you find and how do you select those leaders? We are not doing an adequate job of educating executive leaders and employees about the proper purpose of leadership. Remember, billions of people in the world and just a few are seen as leaders. Secondly, this concept of many people and few leaders has been genuine since the beginning of time as we know it. The paradigm of leadership reinforces the controlling role of leadership. Does a leader stop being a leader if they don't meet their objective? Today's paradigm, organizations often answer that question with yes. Everything about leadership development today is focused on control and results. Even when discussing empathy and leadership, it focuses on ensuring employees feel safe and secure in their environment. Hence, they show up to work and meet the organization's objectives. This view of training is one reason why a leader who has been through emotional intelligence training is seen as insincere when trying to apply what they've learned in the work environment they are in today. Empathy is not part of the overall organization's DNA. Leadership development today is ineffective because executives see the flow in the organization like a river, one way. Everything flows from the top down, with no one ever swimming against the current, or the flow branching out into the organization. Even you know, when blood is coursing through your veins, it circulates consistently throughout the body. And that is how we are signaled about the needs that impact our health. In an organization, information flows primarily from the top and seldom is circulated for evaluation, assessment, review, and change. In interpersonal communication, this approach is the kiss of death for feedback a problem for nearly all large organizations. It is like putting a tourniquet on leadership and shutting down what they need to help the body. It stops the bleeding for the moment, but you lose the limb. In the case of business, employees disengage and start to leave the organization. The primary reason development is less effective today is the same reason companies stumble, as mentioned above. Leadership development started with a purpose. Then we monetized it, and the purpose began to fade. Organizations changed leadership development from what they needed to what they wanted to do for them, control leaders and employees. The existing control culture, driven by financial success, is why most attempts to change the paradigm fail. In the 1990s, the big push was for flattening organizations. Flattening the organization would push decision-making down into the ranks to make decisions faster and improve customer satisfaction. There was mention of employees feeling better about having more responsibility. Organizations would do this by eliminating middle management. It failed miserably because top leadership didn't seek input. The idea was just a river flowing one way. Actually, it felt like rapids pushing the concept quickly, with no time for feedback or input. We don't have flatter organizations. It isn't more authority 
They wanted more recognition for what they did and to be seen as valued, something executives never understood and don't to this day. Organizations spent billions raising to make flatter organization happen. They just forgot to ask the employees what they thought. And because leadership is seen as a top-down role, executives never got the information that this wouldn't go over with employees. Planning organization was just one example. There are many more. We have been packaging the same leadership material for many years, never understanding it wasn't improving leadership decade after decade. Why? Because we were not privy to the information we have now through neuroscience and psychology. It is the thing that jumped out at me the most in my research over the years. I discovered we spent more time training people to control, but little time developing the person knowing about themselves and their decision-making capabilities as a leader. Leaders today make mistakes that can't be corrected because they never had the time and development to know themselves well enough to absorb what they were being taught and whether they were capable of this or even desirous of applying what it takes to be a leader. Today, we're wrestling with the issues I mentioned above due to our inability to helicopter above our behavior and see if what we are doing is impacting leaders. Instead, we staunchly defend poor leadership performance by creating a facade of financial success. We watch companies reach great heights only to wither under weak leadership. You can take a look at Twitter. We are seeing this in government all over the world. We're seeing it in businesses. We see it in churches, nonprofits, and educations from elementary to university level. We have created stochastic leaders locked in the same behavioral patterns we have known for years. Now, not decades. Nothing except neuroscience and the advancement of its use along with psychology has surfaced to understand behavior until AI. Technology advances far more rapidly than leaders' ability to handle technology and its impact on organizations, leaders, employees, and governments. Of course, what is needed is balance in leaders to handle this rapid transition of AI and how to integrate that with the ethics and morals that have sustained democracy for over 200 years. What leadership development needs to be made in order to implement this new leadership program? After we define the leadership role, it will become apparent that we need to ready people to assume those new roles. The roles are more clairvoyant, innovative, flexible, all invasive throughout the organization and not functionally restricted. Renaissance leaders will focus on building a community of people who benefit the whole organization. Leaders need to realize their role isn't simply interacting with their direct reports, but building a society that integrates with the rest of the organization to be communal. Leaders need to know themselves well enough to know others who depend on them and bond with all of those they touch and influence with the desire to contribute 
across the whole organization. The paradigm shift in leadership development must build leadership abilities that focus on building communal relationships, not just with their immediate direct reports, but with their peers cross-functionally. This breaks down the barriers across functional areas for leaders and takes cross-functional development to extraordinary levels. At this point, we recognize a leader can supervise a group of people who know more about their responsibilities than a new leader. Of course, this happens today anyway. The difference is the leader is aware this should be happening and isn't surprised. Three distinct development aspects are part of this new development program. First, the development focused on building mentally strong people who truly understand who they are. This is the benchmark and critical part of development. It won't happen with a short burst of training. It happens with the ongoing availability of qualified staff and psychological experts who work with candidates for long periods, developing plans, assessing, and altering strategies. This is a full-scale behavioral conversion with a constant interface. The success criteria for this program will be ongoing, consistent, confident, harmonious, and passionate for connecting the right consultants with the right potential leaders for the time it takes them to become psychologically ready, emotionally intelligent, competent to interact effectively, and skilled interpersonal communicators. The consultant has to be able to develop each of these knowledge bases simultaneously while integrating them congruently and consistently throughout the training. The size and scope of such a project make it expensive and time-consuming, which is why the only person who can ensure the program's success is the owner, CEO, or the board. This will ensure total commitment to building the best possible leaders for an organization. It will deliver the renaissance leaders needed to make organizations successful. The last element of this paradigm shift is the communal activity between various organizations, which makes the whole paradigm one of transparency between organizations. For example, government to government, business to business, to private organization. This paradigm shift could be a new element to groups like the Chambers of Commerce nationwide. Various professional organizations should not isolate their information, but actively share information openly. Of course, underpinning these paradigm shifts will be ethics and morality, based not on AI or technology, but on humanity. Nothing can be more critical than implementing these paradigm changes as soon as possible. The paradigm is time-consuming and labor-intensive. It will require developing many more consultants than are capable of assisting organizations in creating this internal movement today. It also will significantly impact sourcing, selecting, and placing the right leaders in place this is why organizations must learn and understand this process at the highest levels today, not tomorrow. There will be tremendous 
amounts of resistance to this recommendation. I expect that. I don't mind the criticism. Simply present a better, well-laid-out plan you can implement that will fix leadership deteriorating today and have an organizational impact at the micro and macro levels. What I reject outright is that what we are doing is okay now. That isn't true for everyone in organizations from the top to the bottom of the organization. I hear the population saying we aren't doing well when our economy is growing. We are building manufacturing industries and companies are making more than money than they have made in decades. The population is saying that you haven't convinced us yet that it is transferring down throughout the whole organization. That is the communication disconnect. That is reinforcing why we need the paradigm shift. We are still thinking of down control, not community and government, business and nonprofits. It is time to stop fighting online and unifying to improve everyone's life. There is plenty of room for people to live in the way they choose. However, if you live in a country, you are communal. Therefore, you will never have total freedom in a democracy under a dictator or a fascist government or in any company. We should get a grasp on harmony. The other consequences are far more dire. This is Let's Talk Leadership, and I'm your host, Victor Vogel. Till next time.